Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show you can hear Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. Stand by to receive our transmission. It's BK on the air here. I know that doesn't mean much when you're hearing on the podcast. Good morning, unless you're listening to the podcast. You could just say hello. In the morning. Yeah, I well, know, hey, but I forget, hey, you know. I'm live, so I, I talk about live stuff. So. Are you? Are you really? <laughs> I am as live as you can get. You well, could be one of those creative I plugins. More, uh, I, it could be, it could be a double or a... It could be BK 2.0. <laughs> Are you saying that'd be a better version <laughs> Of what I am. Well, at least you would only say hey, what I type in. You're getting 1.0, buddy. I no <laughs> upgrades. It's BK on the air on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF and on the uh, TuneIn radio app and on all those uh, apps that I put the podcast up on, too, SoundCloud and Anchor and YouTube out there. Today, I want to try to give an escape valve pressure valve to let the pressure out on people that might need something to fun to listen to i don't know why sorry i don't know why anyone would need that right now I no mean, who needs it who, who needs a distraction world. i mean just from forget what happened this week you know whatever side you're on everybody's biting their nails but just 2020 in general oh, everything just going on but, look uh, i can't yeah. help it sean connery died i know and see that too and we got a story coming up today too that's uh, the tributes came out all week from all the Bond actors who, who who are still around that played Bond, talk about pressure valve uh, escape. Did you ever did you ever grow up and have? I got a memory. Look out! Look out! Look out! I'm flashbacking here. Uh-oh. Some Uh-oh. people have Vietnam do, ones. Do, I have childhood do, 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 do. ones. <laughs> when you, my grandmother would cook with a pressure cooker in the kitchen when I was a kid, and I don't know if you've ever been around those one old of those. fashioned ones that could be turned into bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they had this big steel tank looking thing on the stove lids, top, and, yeah. and and it's going. <laughs> And it's going crazy, and the, and the steam's blowing out of the top, and it's got a gauge on it, mm-hmm. and and they all they all tell the kids stay away from this, don't get close, don't to this go there. anywhere in the and, kitchen. And as a kid, you're right, you thought maybe that's a bomb. They don't want me to go close to that because it's gonna it might blow up and take everybody with us, and we won't have a pressured uh, chicken or potatoes or whatever they're cooking in there. We're just gonna have uh, scattered remains all over the place. That's what I want to be. I want to open that pressure valve just a little bit today and have just some fun and talk about ease some stuff it up a little and bit. let some. Some of that pressure out that you might be feeling coming up on the show, and I'll talk about that for a minute because I got a, a story coming up. I have one more Sean Connery story I want to talk about because he did pass away. It, it, it kind of hit us quick last week when we were on the air. It kind of happened. It we happened while it. we were talking. Yeah, and we're like, well, we didn't. I don't think we explored it as much as we should or talked it out because we're both big fans of, of everything the guy did, and he was James Bond, and we're certainly fans of the James Bond franchise. Sean Connery was. They had a remake of. And I got pet peeve too, by the way, coming up that I want to talk about regarding people who record things on either video or podcast. Let me remind me to tell Uh-oh. you about that. Uh, I record it's te- things. It's a technical complaint. A oh, technical okay. things they do. Where I'm like, why do you do that? Okay. And it has something to do with hearing what they say. And I bet you know what I'm talking about when we okay. get to it. The, the movie Thunderball. The this this. I can't remember the guy who Kevin McElroy or something. Wrote the screenplay to that one Bond movie, and you know that's the one Bond script that Eon MGM Productions that that put James Bond together does not own the copyright to. He kept that himself for some reason. Why that happened? Maybe it was just a business deal or whatever. That's why they were able to make Never Say Never Again in 1983, which is basically with Thunderball. Sean Connery, yeah, which is actually 2.0. the Thunderball <laughs> script, yeah. 
they're actually Kim able Basinger. to do that. Mm. And they, yeah, yeah. Hold on, Kim Basinger <laughs> yeah. swimming still. Kim Basinger, yeah. still Kim Basinger, because she was in uh, my my wife watched those horrible she was, movies. Okay, the, my wife now my wife watched those horrible movies, the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, those terrible films they oh, were made. Horrible. She's in one of those. Is she and really? It was pretty recent, and she still really looks great. You know, can't say about it. <laughs> the The Thunderball script is not is still owned by the, the 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 screenwriter, I think. And believe it or not, Eon tried to sue them. MGM tried to sue them in '83 to keep them from making that one with Sean Connery, but they weren't successful because they didn't own the rights to it but they did tell him number one you, how long has been you seen, since you've seen never say never again it's been a little while you've seen it though yes oh many times They're like you can make many okay times. fine you can make this bond film so but but you can't have the bond theme in it you don't own that you can't use the james bond music you can't open with the gun barrel sequence at the beginning that's copyrighted you can't do that you know and there's other things you can do and can't do but that's it you know and those that film does not have any of that in it but it's, it's still a james bond film not an official one by Eon Productions, but it is. Right. You know they why even, they called it that, right? Because James, because Sean Connery said, "I'm never doing James Bond again." Well, it, and, it, and it was James Bond. It was Sean Connery's wife that actually came up with that and said, and "I think she said something to do with that too." They were going to remake it again a few years ago after Timothy Dalton had stepped down, and they approached Timothy Dalton and says, "We're going to remake this again and call it Warhead." And make it another James Bond movie. It's just another remake of Thunderball, Never Say Never Again. And they wanted Timothy Dalton, again, a, a past Bond, to come back and play him. And it fell apart and it didn't get made. So uh, so it's funny that that one script is out there that they don't own the rights to. Well, that movie, Never Say Never Again, directed by Irving Kirshner, Empire Strikes Back, Irving Kirshner, which I thought, and I'm, I'm, I get, I catch heck for this with Bond fans. And I'm the biggest, one of the biggest Bond fans you'll ever meet. But I, find myself watching Never Say Never Again more than I do Thunderball. Oh, yeah. Well, Thunderball wasn't one of my favorite Sean Connery films, and I don't know why, because it's extremely popular with the fans, and it's, it was it had a big opening, it was very successful, but I don't know why. Thunderball has a way it's got a long running time, and, and, and to me, it just it's just not one of the best, but if it's one of your favorites, then that's fine. There's no wrong answer. It's just I've always loved the thing that, that I gravitated toward as a kid was the underwater. And, and James Bond movies early did the – there was always the mass battle sequence right. at the end where the soldiers of the good guys and the soldiers of the bad guys. Right. So there's all this carnage, and yet you've got the spy mission still happening. Right, right. I loved that. And to yeah. see an underwater oh, yeah. spear gun fight, I'm like <gasps> – And they were all in – And then they redid it in Both Moonraker. sides are in different color, yeah. too. The bad oh, yeah, guys were the good guys wearing orange. you got to pick them when out. When you're playing your first-person shooter, you want to know who the bad yeah, guy is. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, great. But the story I've got coming up is an actress named Barbara Carrera played Fatima Blush. Fatima. In, uh, in uh, Never Say Never Again. And she, who was your greatest she's love? delicious as her. She's so funny. great. You know, she chews it up, which is great. Well, she's, <laughs> I've goes, got a whole story well, about on, her. There was talking. this woman. She goes, you know it was me. It was this girl in Philadelphia. <laughs> Like no, it was me. He put. There's a classic example of Bond playing on the villain's ego to get the upper hand on the villain. Right. It's fantastic. Loved he just it. talks her Loved it. it. And she winds up blowing up. And if you haven't seen it, she <laughs> blowed up real good. So her, I've got a story about her. She she talked about Sean. Shared a lot of scenes with him in Never Say Never Again. I got that story coming up about her reminiscing about Sean Connery, and it's a fantastic piece too. And uh, one of the, one of the main actors from the Fantastic Beasts has been asked to step down, basically resign. He was fired, but he's kind of like, kindly asked to resign his position uh, at that franchise. And we'll talk about that too coming up. And uh, if you like Star Trek, and uh, who doesn't? Well, some people don't. But you listen to this show, you know I love it. Uh, about the red shirts being uh, the main, how they fell like, uh, drop like flies on the old TV show. Oh, he's wearing a red shirt. He's going to die. All the red shirts die all the time. That may not access, That may not necessarily be true. I got a story where someone's actually checked that fact out. 
and a lot of interesting things there. And Oreo Cookies built a doomsday vault to protect cookies from an asteroid. I didn't know that. We got that as a separate story. We'll flash the audience to the news, the weird and strangers. I love, this, the, I love the look on your face right now, by the way, which is great. All of that coming up in Speak on There, right? We'll return after these messages. Only one man could destroy a Caribbean island. Only one man would drive a car with an ejection seat. Only one man can turn off an atomic bomb, blow up a volcano, hold a helicopter in a suitcase, a rocket on his back, artillery in one hand, and a beautiful woman in the other. Only one man. Who are you? My name is Bond, James Bond. He's back. Sean Connery as James Bond, 007, in Ian Fleming's Diamonds Are Forever. He's back in the diamond fields of South Africa, in the casinos of Las Vegas, on an offshore drilling rig, and 180 miles in space. Sean Connery as James Bond is back, and he's bigger than ever in the newest, greatest Bond adventure of them all. Diamonds are forever. Diamonds are forever. From United Artists, rated GP. They contain material not suitable for free teenagers. Diamonds are forever, 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 forever. Premiering Friday after Wonder Woman, it's the all-new Incredible Hulk. A radiation experiment has unleashed the ultimate mutation, turning David Banner into a superhuman beast whenever he becomes angered. Bill Bixby stars in The Incredible Hulk, premiering Friday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. And now, back to the guy who secretly thinks J.J. Abrams did the best job with any Star Trek movie, but he'll never admit it. It's BK on the air. Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. The Bionic Woman aired on ABC from 1976 to 77 and on NBC in 78 for a total of 58 episodes. Beginning as a two-part episode of The Six Million Dollar Man, Steve Austin's love interest, tennis pro Jamie Summers, starred the talented Lindsay Wagner. Although the character was scripted to die off from her body's rejection of the bionic implants, due to its high ratings response, ABC soon discovered they had a potential new series on their hands. After being directed by the network to bring Jamie back to life, the writers made it a simple fact that she had never actually died in the first place. And as a result of the character's permanent memory loss, they were able to easily separate the storyline from that of the $6 million man. Reportedly, this was to be Wagner's final role on her universal contract, but the popular series response created not only a superheroine and American sweetheart, but also a new international star. The Bionic Woman gained success in the U.S., ranking at one point as the fifth highest viewed show on television. But in the U.K., it was a smash. It marked the very first sci-fi series during the 20th century to hit number one in their ratings. At its high point in Britain, it was estimated that 14 million viewers tuned in per week. With an illustrious career having appeared in 17 theatrical films and up to 80 television films and series, The Bionic Woman earned Lindsay Wagner two Golden Globe nominations in 77, and 78, and an Emmy win for Best Actress in a Dramatic Role in 1977. In 1984, the often referred to Queen of TV received her much-deserved star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube and Facebook at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the Air. 
And who didn't make the bionic sound? If you had a, if you had a, uh, you didn't even have to have an action figure with the bionic man it's, and the bionic woman. You just it made that noise when you move slow. Mm-hmm. You knew that you were being bionic as a kid. It's like, <laughs> how do you not make the lightsaber noise? It's the right. same thing. Yeah, or, growing or the up, pew pew laser noise when you're shooting the laser gun. Yeah, you running. Yeah. Well, we and had a little, no, uh, little problem with uh, Ewan McGregor doing it on set, from what I heard in well, the, he's in not the prequels. The only one. So he's great. So not the that. only one. Uh, fantastic show. It's amazing that uh, the show was on, uh, the Bionic, uh, Six Million Dollar Man was on ABC, and then uh, the Bionic Woman was on NBC, and they would cross over from time to time, and Oscar was in both shows on two different networks. I still don't know why ABC didn't pick that show up. I have a thank you, Pat, for that uh, walk into the golden rage of TV, by the way. And, uh, you think they're ever going to make that Mark Wahlberg revisit of the six now billion I dollar man? I don't know. I keep hearing about that. I know right now that it's probably off due to COVID. Just they're, they're got everything on hold. Right. Some things are have started back on production, but I don't think that's really high on their priority list <laughs> at Universal. Whoever owns that property right now, it would be nice to see them if they do a, a serious take on it and do it do it well. Because as we know, sometimes they can actually do remakes pretty good. You know, like with the Mummy mm-hmm. and uh, and the the Equalizer. You know, some some remakes of TV and older uh, horror films and stuff do do pretty good. Some of them are r- bad, <laughs> too, by the way. Uh, we won't mention, unless we mention Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, the better, uh, and some others. But, uh, but yeah. Did you ever see that Mark Wahlberg movie on Netflix that it was basically a reboot of Spencer for Hire? No, I didn't. I heard it. But what was it called? It was something I like I that. Remember it be, I, I remember the one about, wasn't he then the one about the Boston bombings? And he worked for the police department trying yeah. to prove that. That was really good. I really liked that. I can't remember what it was called, and but that was great. And he, I like uh, him. I like him. I like Mark Wahlberg a He's lot. He's a good and actor. I thought it was a fun movie. I, I watched it. My wife and I were together. We were like a little predictable, but it was still fun. Right. It popped. It moved along. It, it felt like you took a TV script and made it into a movie and for Netflix. it up to the cinema. And the the rumor was they were going to make two or three more of them if it was well received. So I would like to see more of them. I thought it was cool to see sort of the show launch maybe a mini movie franchise right. on Netflix. You know, the straight to streaming where it still feels like a TV show, but it's like a well funded TV show. Right. <laughs> Got a little money thrown at it, yeah. uh, like Mission Impossible. You know, with uh, with Tom Cruise. Um, I do like uh, it's talking about Spencer for Hire. I never get to watch that show, but I know the guy that played on the show with him, Avery Brooks, went on to play the uh, commander in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Commander yep. Cisco. And uh, his show, he, he spun off a show called Hawk. Remember? The short lift, but it was from Spencer for Hire. He had his own show there for a little while. I don't think it lasted very long. But, yeah. I tell you one that I really liked that I, that I had doubts about. When I saw the trailer and heard they were making – because I was a big fan of the Equalizer on CBS with Edward Woodward. You know, have trouble – Call the Equalizer. Need some help? Are you the underdog? That's Someone a show I want to go back stuff? and binge. It was great. I have the entire show. I really loved the Equalizer when it was on. It, it could, couldn't. You know why they couldn't do that show today? Because it stars a man in his late, in his mid to late sixties, and they just don't, they just don't put people in those leading roles as that kind of character anymore, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. It was a great show. He was the one that you know, you're down and out. Call the Equalizer. Somebody owes you money, and uh, the cops not helping. Call the Equalizer. Call this number, and he would come. And help you out. You know what was funny is he he kind of was a James Bondish character on there because the Equalizer uh, he did carry on the TV show a Walter PPK, and had a little. Uh, I think at one point he wore he drove a Jaguar, but he wore a, he drove the. No, the, did he have British accent? Oh yeah, Edward Woodward was, yeah. was an Irish. Actor. I just yeah, didn't know was, if he was if he, he was, spoke yes, with an American accent because I never he watched had, the show. He had a, English slash Irish accent. It was mostly English because if you hear if you hear Edward Woodward act, it's English. But when he's talking to you in, a, in an interview, 
Gotcha. It's kind of like, kind of like with Pierce Brosnan. His Irish peeks out sometimes in some of his interviews. I think he's trained it not to, but. I was surprised by the movie Equalizer with um, Denzel, Denzel Washington. Washington. Oh, I'm like, they so did good. such a good job with remaking well, you know this show. It Even was when while keeping the feeling of the old show. There are some movies that, they're not the best movies, but when Denzel's in it, it's worth watching for him. He, he is, is he's amazing. He's on me. I don't know if I was a big fan of his when, I, when he first came out, but uh, when I saw him in Glory, the Civil War film, and some of the other things that he did. That put him on the map. It was fantastic. That's me. That was me with several actors. I'm that, I was that way with Billy Zane. Wasn't a big Billy Zane Van. I'd see him in something like, oh, it's Billy Zane again. But when he, play, when he played the Phantom, it was a superhero, you know, arguably. But when he did the Phantom and a couple other roles, I really recognized him. I was never a Matt Damon fan. Matt Damon was, to me, only okay. Matt Damon. He's, he's all right. Matt, he's okay. But when I saw, you know, it turned it around for me. Sometimes it only takes one role for me to turn, turn me around and be a fan of this person. When I saw Matt Damon in the True Grit remake as the, um, as the soldier... Uh, really? The guy, he disappeared. I'm like, that's Matt Damon? He's fantastic in this. He's great. Oh, look, I'm finally realizing he is a good actor. It took me a while, but... I, you, you know I he's guess. in one of the Marvel movies, uncredited. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if you know which one it is, call us and tell us. 770-386-1450 is our number. Oh, somebody's on the line right now. It's BK on the air. Hello. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. It's Eric. Oh, you're calling early today. Did you get up just, just for me early? No, no. I was provoked. You were provoked. What what did I provoke you on this time? Was it said what did I get wrong? Now, you got the name of uh, the Hawk spinoff that uh, Avery Brooks did wrong. Oh, what was it called? It was called a man a, a man called Hawk. Oh, well, okay. Uh, sorry, I did say the name Hawk, but yeah, you're right. It was a man called Hawk. Well, that's, old. that's good. Okay. Well, I thought and BK Alan. was more gener- general and said the Hawk series. Yeah, like the Hawk series. Own. I didn't say that's what it was called. So right. people get confused. Yeah, people technically. get confused with other things. That's true. At least, at least I didn't say that he died when he's really alive. Still, right? I, I nobody, do nobody like would that. do that. That was worth yeah, a, worth right. listening to. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hello. Y'all done yet? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're done. Go ahead. And Alan. Yes, sir. The the Spencer movie you were talking about is Spencer Confidential. Spencer Confidential. Yeah, I couldn't remember oh, the wow. name. I just said it was the. Was the and it will be a trilogy. That's what they said, but I don't I'm know sure it is now. Now, now. I've heard Mark Wahlberg is working on another remake, but I'm not happy about it. Uh, you're not talking about Six Million Dollar Man, are you? No, 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 no. T.J. Hooker. Oh, T.J. Hooker, the Shatner TV show. I didn't even know that was in the works. Really? I don't. I, I, I've heard it. I hope it's a lie. <laughs> I hope it's a well, lie. You know, but but you know what? Maybe. Why do we hope it's a lie? Because would you would you agree with me? Did you ever watch the Equalizer television show on TV with Edward Woodward? Did you watch it? Yes. Did you, I love did, it. did you or did you not like the Denzel Washington uh, movie remake? <laughs> I thought it was great. Come on, you can admit if something's okay. We won't discount you. For that. It was okay. It was only okay. Wow. Okay. It was okay. I, I mean, because they did, they didn't dive into Denzel's next story, which they should have. But that'd make a good movie title, by the way. Dive into Denzel. <laughs> I mm. love that. That would sound great. Well, come on. Now, wait a minute. What if, they, what if they called it something else other than the Equalizer with Denzel Washington? Would you have liked it better? No. Okay. So the fact that it's a remake okay. of an old TV show is not what ruins it for you. Yeah, no. Okay. Now, I'm the kind of guy, you know me, I'm the kind of guy that, that I love the original stuff, but when they remake something and it's good and I really like it, I will tell you, you know? Now, I'm going to go here, and a lot of people go and give me flack for this, but the, the Equalizer was an old white guy 
Yeah, British and white guy. And yeah. stayed that way. Well, okay. I mean, I, I don't think that it they, changed they much. I mean, they could have got Patrick Stewart. True. I don't know that it changed much changing his uh, his his complexion <laughs> for the role. Hey, I don't think hey, it changed hey, much. Hey, no, I appreciate what Eric's saying, though. I'm sorry, y'all, but I'm not sorry. No, you know what? I appreciate what you're saying because I get in this discussion a lot with, well, shouldn't we update James Bond? Well, James Bond is a character that has lived in a, in a novel and in a book and right. in movies as a specific kind of character. You can tell another spy movie. That way. Right. What? It stayed that way, even though I said Andrews Elba could do it. Right. It's it's you just stay that way. I'm sorry. That's true. That's very true. I I don't disagree with Please you. Things old. Well, I'm hoping this thing with Mark Wahlberg and uh, T.J. Hooker's a lie though. Well, if 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 T.J. Hooker's made into a film and it's good and it's entertaining, that's fine. I'll I'll watch it. I don't know if it will be, but I love the TV no, show. So, but, no, no, coming up, coming no. up, coming up, hey, Eric. I'll leave you with this. I, I like Mark Wahlberg, but I also like anything Antoine Fuqua does. I think he's a fun director. He is, yes. And so. That's why I like The Equalizer. It's a fun right. movie. Thanks for calling, buddy. Always good to hear from you. No problem. We, we love Goodbye. you from BK on the air. Right, I, right. I, just, I knew when, when they made The Equalizer, we weren't going to get a deep-thinking drama piece. That's no. not what we were getting. But despite all that, it was still a really good, entertaining movie. It was Second so, one, not so much, but okay. So good. You're right. It's BK on the air. I believe in the old things, you know. Family, friendship, fairness. That's what this country's all about. Taking it to the edge. Laying it all on the line. I watch your tail, you watch mine. I value human life. Hey, we're all on the same side. DJ Hooker, he's with you. We're with you on ABC. With you. Super Slurpy. Now at 7 Eleven. It's the biggest, boldest, coldest Slurpee to ever quench a thirst. It's the 32-ounce Super Slurpee. And now, 7-Eleven has a fantastic summer offer. Every Super Slurpee comes in a free plastic Superman 4, the Quest for Peace Movie Collector's Cup. Eight in all, 32 ounces of Super Slurpee and Superman 4 Movie Collector's Cups, only at today's 7-Eleven. I think it's cool that we've been a, kind of a part of that. We are part long of time tradition. Which we are nice. we are award winning parts of the and, Georgia yes, Association and radio, of Broadcasters. Radio being that, and this station being on the air constantly since 1946. That's a little that's pretty nice cool thing to to talk about. I mean, that's 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 older than some people that I know. <laughs> By the way, I have a story here from B, this is from the BBC News, and and Alan, you said you hadn't heard about this this morning, so I'm going to do the story right now. Johnny Depp has been asked to leave the Fantastic Beasts film franchise by Warner Brothers. Mm. Foots off the Ni- bag, you're out of there. Nicely fired. You know, when they come to you and go, we would appreciate it if you'd just resign, and if you don't, we're going to fire you. Look, you can choose to go out under your terms. We've been told that before. Or ours. <laughs> you're going out. Johnny Depp has left the Fantastic Beasts film franchise days after losing a libel case over a newspaper article which called him, this is their words, not mine, a wife beater. In a letter to fans, Depp said he had been asked to resign from his role as Grindwald and had respected and agreed to that request. He called the libel judgment surreal and confirmed his plans to appeal. Film studio Warner Brothers confirmed Depp's departure 
and said his role would be recast. Quote, we thank Johnny for his work on the films to date, unquote, it said in a statement. Now, Depp, who is 57 years old, had sued the publisher of The Sun newspaper over a 2018 article which claimed he assaulted his ex-wife Amber Heard. Earlier this week, Judge Mr. Justice Nickel ruled The Sun had proved the article to be substantially true. In his letter posted on Instagram, Depp said the judgment would not change my fight to tell the truth. Here's a statement in full. Quote, In light of recent events, I would like to make the following short statement. Firstly, I'd like to thank everyone who has gifted me with their support and loyalty. I have been humbled and moved by your many messages of love and concern, part, uh, particularly over the last few days. Secondly, I wish to let you know that I have been asked by, to resign by Warner Brothers from my role as Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts, and I have respected that and agreed to that request. Finally, I wish to say this. The surreal judgment of the court in the U.K. will not change my fight to tell the truth, and I confirmed that I plan to appeal. My resolve remains strong, and I intend to prove that the allegations against me are false. My life and career will not be defined by this moment in time. Thank you for reading. Sincerely, Johnny Depp. So... There's his message about the whole thing. He made a brief appearance uh, as uh, Grindelwald in 2016's Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them and reprised the role in 2018's Fantastic Beast, The Much Crimes bigger the of second, Grindelwald. Yeah. Yes, the, the films Grindelwald. are prequels to the eight Harry Potter films, as we well know, which are based on the novels by J.K. Rowling. According to Warner Brothers, the third film in the series is currently in production and will be released in summer of 2022. I wonder if they'll have to we'll have, a, have a production problem. Or they may have not filmed his scenes yet, I guess. Maybe they knew that ahead of time and were just filming stuff without him. I don't know. And then he kept going. So, But it says they're still on track. Monday's judgment followed a trial that was heard over 16 days in July at the Royal Courts of Justice in London. I guess, did, did the incident take place in England? I guess it did. It was reported. He was suing the paper for libel. Oh, that's for right. Libel. Suing the paper. That's right. That makes sense. It would, it would help if I remember that because I did read it in the article. Mr. Depp is suing Mrs. Oh, Heard. Oh, you're just saying words. We know you don't pay attention. Well, that's true, yeah. And I'm, I'm got, I got Amber Heard in my head. Well, that, <laughs> that's throwing the worst thing to by have. The way. Yeah. Mr. Depp is suing Mrs. Heard, 34, in the U.S. in a separate case over an opinion piece she wrote in the Washington Post. So that's some kind of a little bit of disturbing news in the world of Harry Potter films. Uh, by the way, she was one of the best things, I thought, <laughs> about the Aquaman movie. So I now, found myself staring at her through the whole In general, movie. Grindelwald is the forerunner to Voldemort. He was the right. nastiest, meanest, baddest wizard. Right. What's wrong with having a wife beater in that role? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> didn't, think it, about didn't it. that kind of go? I mean, uh, you, you cast Robert oh, Downey sorry. Jr. Sorry, we don't want to get to alleged. <laughs> you, you, count, you cast Robert Downey Jr. as an alcoholic superhero, and he's had problems with it before, so sometimes the casting may work I mean, just out. draw on yeah. your own life experiences. We are just kidding, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Grindelwald, oh, not if good, you though. watch this, the beginning of the second movie when he escapes Azkaban, it's amazing. That's probably the best thing out of both movies when I saw the second one and, and the, oh, the so first you're, part you're of that. Oh, so you're a lot harsher on I am not. I, am. I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I just think that they're really, really, and it's not. I don't think it's because it's not Harry Potter because I can enjoy spinoffs and sidequels and sequels just like any other person. But I'm just not a big, I'm not a big fan of those films. I don't find myself thinking, I really need to go back and watch those Fantastic Beast movies over and over like I do the Harry Potter films. I mean, I, I don't know why. It just didn't Part of it's probably because we're not sure where they're going yet with them. I didn't know where I, Harry Potter was going when I first saw it, and I was hooked immediately. Yeah, but by the time so, yeah. you saw it, they had several out. I mean, <laughs> right? But I, so, but I still had to like by that the point, first the one. Phenomenon though. I had to like the phenomenon was the there. First one. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so I had. To start I really somewhere. enjoy them. I think the music is phenomenal. I think oh, the, the storyline is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, there's nothing, I get lost in them. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing bad about the way they directed because they're directed by Harry Potter director that directed a couple of Harry Potters anyway. The last three of the yeah. movies. So yeah. I'm not. Uh, it's just that it's just the story and the and the whole and I and I, I I hate that I don't like them that much because I was always wondering watching Harry Potter. I'm like, well, what's the Wizard World like in America? And then we find out. I'm like, oh, I don't even think it's that interesting. It's the one that Harry Potter has. But uh, but they're they're still successful. I think the first one made over a billion. And I, I'm not sure about the second one's tally, but I think it was it was very successful as well. Or they're going to do another one. I've still heard stories, which I hope is true, because I'd like to revisit that world again of Harry and Hermione and them coming back for a movie that's set in the age they are now. Right. Maybe with with their kids again doing something, but to see them together again, I just got really used and fun to seeing those guys together again because they were so fun to watch. Had such they melded so well together. They were such great characters. That's like some of the Marvel characters I know now that uh, probably Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. are gone, and I'm still going. Oh, I really love those guys. I love those right. characters. But we'll. But that Marvel universe is completely continuously morphing and changing and and, and evolving. And we've got uh, two Marvel movies, you know, on the way. Big ones are several, several more some on point. the way, but one for sure next year. You got Thor coming out with Love and Thunder. You've got I saw that uh, Shang Chi, the master of kung fu, is is uh, started production on that. So they got a lot of even more different characters coming out now cool. that aren't like your regular fare. Well, I will, I will say the best thing the Harry Potter franchise did is show the adult versions of themselves at the very end of the last, oh yeah, eighth technically the seventh book, but eighth movie, right. That was an awesome way to end the movie, the franchise. At least that first group. Yes. I loved them. And on what, that, a, what on that a platform! And you're right. It was a perfect, even last shot of the film on their faces, and it just faded out right there, and that was it. Because they've all come together, they mm-hmm. survived, and defeated evil in a way. So that's how I hope our life turns out. That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Mommy, I want to drink. Mommy, cover a glass of juice. Wouldn't it be nice if your children could get their own drinks without interrupting you? With a Dixie kitchen dispenser, they can. And your kitchen won't be cluttered with between-meal glasses to wash. Get Dixie, the kitchen cup that lets kids help themselves. And that can be a big help to you. Mommy, I got my own juice. Now, can I have peanut butter sandwich? Dragon's Lair. The fantasy adventure where you become a valiant knight on a quest to rescue the fair princess from the clutches of an evil dragon. You control the actions of a daring adventurer finding his way through the castle of a dark wizard who has infected it with treacherous monsters and obstacles. In the mysterious caverns below the castle, your odyssey continues against the awesome forces that oppose your efforts to reach the Dragon's Lair. Lead on, adventurer. Your quest awaits. By the way, I've been corrected off the air. Eric called off the air and said it's uh, it's uh, Shang-Chi, not Shang-Chi. Master of Kung Fu, the Marvel character. Yes, he's he's correct. So I made another little faux pas on there. Or is it faux pox? <laughs> I don't know. Now I don't know what to say. You know, I, I don't know what to say. I'm glad I'm not part of the news organization and the newsroom because they have to get everything right all the time, and I, I, I'd i be terrible at that. Hence why I don't work for the news department. So, I, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that show, Sangria Tea. Sangria. The master of Kung Fu. The master of, <laughs> master of berry-flavored beverages. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if the lead actor died, though. No, I think he's still alive. I hope someone doesn't report that he's dead. <laughs> uh, 
before he's... Uh, Always got to have one person out there that's got to point out every he, possible and you know what? thing he does, you man. may he, say he keeps us on. He keeps us on track. It's always fun. I mean, I no, like I, it. I, no, I love it. I've got, I already have one wife. I don't need another. What the heck? Why can I not find anything? I know. I don't. Kush. I know. You lost your mind. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. I think it's still in the car. I'll go check at the next break. What she got on? Her mind. mind. (laughs) Thank you, Snowman. (laughs) 770-364-1050. If anybody wants to call and correct me on something else, (laughs) sure. Just it's it's correct BK day today. Well, you know, last weekend it really hit us kind of off guard when uh, when a beloved James Bond actor did pass away. How reckless of me. I made you all wet. Yes, but my martini is still dry. My name's James. Hello, James. I'm Fatima Blush. You ski very well. I do many things very well. Brings you to Nassau, James. I'm fishing. For what? Anything I can get. I know the best waters. I'd be very happy to show them to you. Now, why would you want to do that? I'd like you to find what you're looking for. I'm all yours. Yeah, there's a little Sean Connery from Never Say Never Again with Barbara Carrera, who plays Fatima Blush. Fatima Blush, the, the femme fatale. Most mm. of the bonds have a femme fatale. Most of them, mm. Some of them have male fatales, which are the male killer. But I think it's much more interesting when the femme fatale is in the James Bond movies because, I don't know, they're just female femme fatales. And I like watching them a little bit better. This is from Stephanie Nolasco from Fox News. Sean Connery was an absolute great kisser, recalls Bond girl Barbara Carrera. The actress who starred alongside the late Scottish actor, to me, I still can't get around and get used to saying the late Scottish actor. Right there in 1983's Never Say Never Again. She told Fox News that she has fond memories of sharing the screen with Connery, especially when it came to filming their kissing scene. Quote, he was an absolute great kisser, the 74-year-old chuckled. Everything that has been said about him is true. But he was also a gentleman, she continued, and you knew his wife was on set at all moments. He was very vigilant. So the idea of stealing kisses did not occur to us, but the scene was so sacred, so pure, it was so special to me, unquote. However, locking lips with James Bond wasn't always simple. Quote, I remember we were filming our kissing scene, recall Carrera. We looked up and there was his wife staring right back at us. It took us right out of the scene, so Sean had her taken off the set. Would we be able to do that if no. we were on a movie? We laughed about that a lot after filming was over. She had a great sense of humor, his wife, and about the whole thing, unquote. Carrera said she was initially offered to star. I did not know this. She was initially offered to star in 1983's Octopussy opposite Roger Moore's 007, which that was the movie that came out the same year that was competing with Never Say Never Again. That was the official huh. MGM film. However, when she heard that Connery was poised to appear in an upcoming film about the suave secret agent, she turned down the part in that film even if it meant taking a smaller role. I wonder if they wanted her to play Maude Adams' role in Octopussy. I wonder if that's what That would have to be what it was. Because that. that would be a bigger role. Connery initially promised to never play Bond again as he was eager to take on different roles. However, he was lured back by an offbeat script about a middle-aged 007. Connery took the role and helped produce the film. The result was Never Say Never Again, a title actually suggested by his wife because at one point he said he would never say uh, play James Bond again. Quote, the minute I learned Sean Connery was coming back to do another Bond film, I just knew I had to do it, said Carrera. It was a film that everyone really wanted to see, so I agreed to do it without thinking twice, without ever seeing a script. I just wanted to work with my hero. He was James Bond. He was the one I grew up with, so it was too incredible of an opportunity 
for me to turn down, unquote. Actress Barbara Carrera says she developed a friendship with Sean Connery on the set. He is James Bond, she continued. He had a magnetism about him that just drew you in. He was a man's man. He was the kind of person that men wanted to emulate and women wanted to be dominated by him. Well, I guess some of them mm. do. This is her saying it, not me. He was the quintessential James Bond. I think all the other Bonds have tried to capture that certain magic he had, but it's just something that can't be duplicated, what he did. Connery, she says, it belongs to him and only him alone, unquote. And Never Say Never Again, the former Playboy cover girls starred as a professional assassin. But despite her hard-as-nails persona, Carrera said it was difficult not to melt at the sight of Connery when he first walked onto the set. You know, people used to say that about me in plays <laughs> when I was in plays. Did they? Stay is that what they them. said? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I don't uh, Yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me that. I don't know if it's true or not. I remember I haven't seen her in many movies, but one of the things I remember her from was they did a remake of H.G. Wells' Do- Island Island of Dr. Moreau book that he made about the island about where they the guy experimented <laughs> on, on humans and merged them with animals. And so, 1977 version of that with Burt Lancaster as Dr. Moreau and Michael York as the guy who is shipwrecked on the island and Barbara Carrera is the, is the, uh, the female in that film. And I remember her seeing that long before... Never say never again. And you can hear in his voice in that little clip, he, it was much more of the relaxed Sean Connery oh, than when his, so. his earlier yeah. Bond. His earlier Bond, he was, yeah. it felt like he was almost keeping that Scottish under under control a little right. more. Yep. And this one was like, no, women love right. this accent. This is the Sean Connery that's had uh, tons of money given to him over the years, so he doesn't really I don't have to worry about wear a hairpiece anymore. anymore. <laughs> that's right. Doesn't have to really worry about it anymore. And I catch a lot of heck for preferring that one over Thunderball. But in, And if you want to get mad at me and call, how could you say that Never Say Never Again is better than Thunderball? I'll totally understand if you think that. It's okay. I mean, I, sometimes I question myself, but I do like the movie. But, you know, it came out the same year as Octopussy with Roger Moore, and uh, Octopussy made more money. It, mm. it was it was the more it was the more standard bond, and there was a lot of bad press surrounding Never Say Never Again because of, they tried to sue them to keep them from making it. But uh, Roger Moore prevailed that year because he was part of the regular Bond franchise, and it made more money. But I do remember it was the it, had a it was title. called the Battle of the Bonds in 1983, and I do like that movie better than Never Say Never Again. Even I do I may like Never Say Never better than Thunderball, but I like uh, I like Roger Moore's Octopussy much better than that one because it was just more of a regular Bond film. So I still get Sean Connery to me. We talked about it a little last week. We don't think we talked about it long enough. I think three roles that stand out, several of them stand out, but the one that stands out for me the most is the one he won the award for was The Untouchables. That was a great role that he did as the Irish cop that enough of, of the walk in the beat, and he was asked by Elliot Ness to help take down Al Capone, and he did because he, he, he wasn't corrupt. He was one of the guys that wasn't corrupted by the mob. Well, what I love is Sean Connery all, has always been able to play the dramatic, serious role. Yeah. But because of Bond, so many times you get kind of typecast, and so they right. ignore your work. He's yeah. done a lot of great things. Oh, yeah. So to get recognized in that, uh, was it Brian De Palma that directed Brian that? De Palma, yeah, which yeah. is a fantastic movie. Um, I love The Untouchable. And it is a really good movie. It is great. And another remake of an old TV show. And for folks who are like, Sh- uh, Kevin Costner can't act. You know, he can't. You just... You got to pick and choose yeah. your Costners. Then right. your 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 wife would argue with you on that. I do know that for a fact. About oh, I, Kevin, so. I, I like yeah. most of Kevin Costner but, stuff. I'm okay with him. But when he played Elliot Ness, let's be honest. When he played Elliot Ness in, in Untouchables, it was kind of that straight lined personality as character. An, anyway, yeah. so he didn't have to Ness. stretch as far as no, others, he no. didn't. And the thing the thing that the thing that really that impressed me lately that Kevin Costner did was the Highwaymen, the the Bonnie guys, the guys chasing down Bonnie and Clyde, which I thought was, was he was really great. It was a Netflix movie, and he was really good in that. Um, and, and so was Woody Harrelson, which who by oh, the way, yeah. 
I still can't get my mind around. That's the guy I used to watch in Cheers, who was the you know the dumb goofball with just right. the one-liners and people yeah. making fun of him. He's a really good actor. Woody oh, Harrelson yeah, he is. is very good. He is. And if you've never a couple more uh, Sean Connery movies, if you've never seen them, you know you could. You know I know everyone. Every, most of everyone has seen the big ones like uh, like Hunt for Red October and the other things he has done. But he did a little known movie back in 76, 1976 called Robin and Marion about Robin Hood growing old and facing his mortality with with uh, Marion, who was played by Audrey Hepburn. They're both older actors playing these older characters, and it's got a, it's got a heart breaking ending to it i'll just warn you right now i won't tell you what the ending is if you've never seen it but it is a fantastic way to see richard harris plays uh the king that's senile that's going crazy Mm. uh robert shaw is the sheriff in it it's got a great cast I mean, there you go. Just from those four people alone. Well worth watching. That's right. His, uh, Little John is uh, Nicole Williams that plays uh, Merlin and Excalibur. Ah. All those great actors in Robbie. If you've never seen Robin and Marion, John Barry does the music to it. And it's, uh, it's another James Bond connection there with the, with the music. And uh, it's fantastic. And Outland, where he's the out, outer space marshal on Jupiter's like moon. Outland's a great pre-make of, uh, of High Noon in Space, but it's not only that. It is a good movie. Jerry Goldsmith does the soundtrack. Peter, uh, uh, who plays, uh, I'm drawing a blank, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle, who plays the Frankenstein in Young Frankenstein, plays the bad guy. The bad guy. And he's so good. And he actually Shepherd. still has hair in it. He does, and a beard. He's a, He plays Shepard. Who, the guy who wants the drugs to be on the moon so the men can work more and produce more. And Sean Connery's the sheriff in town that doesn't like it. It's against the law. So Sean Connery will miss him. You and I will. I know we will. Speak Adios. On the air. We'll be back. Many of our contestants are chosen from the studio audience for future shows. So if you'd like to be one, write us and close the self-addressed stamped envelope and mail to tickets. Match game 74, CBS Television City, 7800 Beverly Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, 90036. If you want to win the game, you got to take a good aim and get the most marbles with your hippo. Playing Hungry, Hungry Hippo. Hungry, Hungry Hippo. Hungry Hungry Hippos is the name of the game, and whosoever hippo gets the most marbles wins. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos. I win! Hungry Hungry Hippos from Hasbro. Give it up! Podcast Magazine presents The Hot 50 Countdown. Hi, it's Rob Actis, host of the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 Countdown. Join me as I count them down from 50 to number one, the top 50 podcasts in the land as determined by you, the podcast fans. From true crime, society and culture, self-help, health and fitness, science, and every podcast category in between. The Hot 50 Countdown is here. Voting is not over. I want to let everybody know that in case you didn't know that, it's a different kind of voting at podcastmagazine.com. Check them out. if you. They actually take your votes Every day, you can vote daily every month for the month top three Hot 50 podcasts. You can vote for three. If you don't listen to three, just vote for one. Or if you really like one, vote for it three times. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. But you vote for the, your favorite podcast, the host. You, you have to enter in your email, and they ask you if you want to join their uh, their magazine to read it or check it out. It's a great magazine if you like podcasts. But I would ask, you know, just, just as a favor, if you listen to BK on the air and you like it, give us a vote at Podcast Magazine for the Hot 50. It doesn't mean the hot hosts are sexy or anything. 
anything. No. Just means that, well, some of them might be. I'm sure some of them might be with some of them, but not maybe not us. But uh, who knows? Not in this room. Maybe our wives think we're I hope our wives think we're sexy. If Tune they, in. Not, well, no. We're queuing them up and <laughs> counting them down. Oh, yeah. We're a sexy hot podcast. We're on fire. I would love it if you were to vote for BK on the air. That would be great. It's a, I pushed it no. off. We don't have a... Vote for the Wilder Ride. Oh, you can vote, vote for the Wilder Ride and whatever the third one is you want or whatever. It doesn't matter to us. The Wilder you BK vote, on the air ride. You can vote. <laughs> yeah. Wild BK. Careful. And you can vote once a day, by the way. I mean, if you like if you like several, you can vote. So that's cool that you'll take your vote once a day from whatever email address you have. Let's do this day in history since we don't have a Star Wars Channel Star Wars report today. 1932. I actually got this queued up here. In ni- this is the anniversary today on in 1932 on this day. People heard this on the radio for the very first time. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Buck Rogers in the 25th century, his first radio broadcast premiere was today on CBS Radio in 1932. Wow. It was the first time he premiered on any type of uh, <laughs> medium like that other than Duck the Dodgers printed page. Duck Dodgers in the 24th Duck and Dodgers. Half century. <laughs> That's why it was so fresh in their minds with Warner Brothers, because that cartoon came along in the late 40s, early 50s, and people still knew about it. On this day in history, November 7th in 1976, Gone with the Wind was first televised, and I think it's still on. It's such a long movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually still playing. Uh, 1980, Steve McQueen died on this date. He was uh, dubbed for a while, and we know why after seeing some of his movies. For a long time, he was considered the cinema's king of cool. Oh, yeah. Steve McQueen. And you know what? I don't know if any of the people share my opinion, but in, when I look at him in a certain way, maybe not by his actions, but his looks. When Kevin Costner was a little younger, he reminded me of Steve McQueen. I don't oh, know yeah. Why. 1995, Howard Stern's radio show premiered in Pittsburgh on WXDX 105.9 FM in 1995. That doesn't seem like a long time ago to you and I. No. But it actually kind of was to some some younger folks. 1995. 1997 in the cinema, Mr. Bean's movie starring Rowan Atkinson opened. I I am one of the biggest Rowan Atkinson fans of Mr. Bean in the world. I loved his show, for the, the, the British show he did, the television series mm-hmm. he did was fantastic. I thought the movie fell a little short when they tried yeah. to transfer it to cinema. I'm like, it's not working that well in the cinema, but he's still, that character is fantastically He's funny. better in small doses. Right, exactly. And I think the, the, the fact that at the beginning, beginning of the, the title sequence of the show, it shows him beamed down from a saucer, a flying saucer. The only way that, could, that you could explain him is being an alien. To laugh guys. so hard at his shorts that he would do where oh, he wouldn't say so a great. word. No. And just got himself in the worst <laughs> trouble right. thinking he's trying to do something yeah. like learning how to salute so the queen. He was the, truly the first autistic guy with a with a, with with a, with a, with a, with a Disorder. I mean, obviously, it was. It was there was something great. quirky with him. It was just quirky. And, and, he, just and, he, and he has a kind He's of a alien. goofier look, and he understood oh, that, yeah. and he used it to his advantage. Right. My two favorites that stand out is he drove a mini. A British mini car where he pulls up and he's trying to leave the parking deck and he's not heavy enough to make the arm go up and he makes a whole six, seven minutes short of it and makes it really funny because he can't get it to, to engage. The other one is when he goes to the restaurant and orders off the menu and he doesn't know what steak tartar means, so he orders it. And when he gets it, it's raw meat mm-hmm. and he tries to he doesn't want to not eat it and send it back. So he takes he finds creative ways to make every spoonful disappear, he puts one under the cup and saucers. <laughs> then he puts one in a guy's pocket as he walks by, scoops up some, puts under the, t- the tablecloth. It is so funny. His expressions, his facial expressions, he didn't have to speak no. in these. He could He's got sell a rubber face. 
what he was thinking or what he you know, his reactions and and it, and his when something would go wrong that he wasn't expecting he'd be like whoa <laughs> right or he did occasionally say a line but he said it like this right. well his character so. in, I, I love the movie Love Actually coming into the right. holiday season it's something my wife and I will watch every Christmas season right he has one little cameo he's, he's in it twice <laughs> yeah. but he's trying to sell Alan Rickman a piece of jewelry and it's the funniest because Alan Rickman's trying to sneak it because his wife's going to sneak up you on him any minute cast him. and he's like I'm in the, I will be done in the flashes of flashes and he's like he's dragging it out <laughs> yeah. it's so right. funny and he also portrays let's say this he plays Nigel Small Fawcett in Never Say Never Again the guy does who he? helps James Bond in the Bahamas he certainly does that's he right is, that's the first place I saw him in the old days before I saw his show was in Never Say Never Again good tie into that Rowan Atkinson also in, on this date in history 1997 Starship Troopers the, the Peter Verhoeven movie premiered uh, in theaters which I, that's a movie I grew to love over time when I finally kind of figured out what it was about 2015 Gunnar Hansen passed away is that a familiar name to you yes or no you, some of you may know knew who he was Icelandic born actor who originally played Leatherface and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he showed up at many conventions to sign autographs because of that role that he did because he's a really tall big guy mm-hmm. you know he died of cancer at 68 years old in 2015 birthdays today johnny rivers singer johnny rivers uh secret agent man secret uh, asian man asian man which i thought it was <laughs> for years uh which was used for the uh the title sequence of uh, secret agent the tv show that patrick mcgoorn starred in that they trans that they imported from england over here it was called danger man over there, then he went on to be in The Prisoner and several of the movies. And then he wound up playing uh, King Longshanks in, uh, for, in Braveheart for, for, uh, for Mel Gibson. And Silverstreak, he's the bad guy. We're familiar with him. We talking are. about Gene Wilder's Silverstreak. Uh, Dana Plato, the, the girl from Different Strokes. Different Strokes. Died on this day in 1999. Sad story about her. Sad life. Number one on the Billboard charts. We'll stick with 1980 since that's when uh, Steve, we're talking about some Stephen Queen died. Woman in Love. Produced by Barry Gibb of the BGS by Mar- Barbara Streisand. It's a great album by her. And uh, when we come back, I'll tell you what national day it is and what the top five TV shows were in 1980. We'll stick with 1980 on November 7th. And also, we'll flash the audience, too. We put that off, too, for a little while. We'll do all that when we come back. We'll return after these messages. Groovy. Hey everyone, Alan Sanders here. And BK on the air. We're here to tell you about the fun, informative, and entertaining Saturday morning talk radio right here on WBHF. It's everyone's favorite Saturday show, Waking Up with Alan from 7 a.m. to 10. Ho, 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 wait a minute. Just hold your horses there. I think everyone knows that BK on the Air is everyone's favorite show on Saturdays. <laughs> you know folks mostly tune in to wake up and hear me on Saturday. No, sir. I'm kind of the fun bowl of cereal for breakfast, and you're the cup of coffee. Iron Man, Captain America, Chocolate, Peanut Butter, Adam's Family, Monsters. Why do you always have to make a big deal out of everything? Hold it. You said peanut butter and I said chocolate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two great shows that sound great together. Well, back to back. We're the peanut butter cups of Saturday morning. Tune in to Waking Up with Alan from 7 to 10 a.m. And me, BK on the air, 10 a.m. till noon. Listen on our website at wbhfradio.org or use the TuneIn Radio app. On 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF. That's a fake laugh. It's real. Hey, we're back. It is B County here with Alan Sanders. I want to finish out this uh, day in history. Uh, we usually talk about TV shows and, and what national day it is today. The top five rated television shows in 1980 
this week, here they are, number five. The Love Boat oh, yeah. was number five. Talk about where people, old actors, went to die. Was either The Love Boat or Fantasy Island. But, Guest starring this actor that hasn't done anything. And for when a long I grew time. up, they followed each other on TV. They did. Fantasy Island was always later because yep. it was a little darker, right. a little more adult themed. Where they Love were Boat, both on ABC. Yeah. Yep. And number four, the number four show in 1980 was MASH. Of course. It was MASH. Number three, this one was usually number one, but I think it started to fall in 1980, 60 Minutes, the news magazine show. That's almost always in the top. Started out with the... Still one of the only shows that has no theme music. Yeah, that is their theme, the little tick and watch. Number two, want to take a stab at number two and number one? I will tell you that from four to number one, it's all CBS. The only one... Number five was is ABC. It, um, Number two uh, Magnum is... Magnum P.I.? No, not Magnum P.I., but it is about a, a car, a show that contains a cool car. Knight Rider. No, no, CBS. Oh. Knight Rider CBS. Oh, NBC. Uh, Dukes yeah. of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard. number two. That's right. A, a cartoon show turned to live action when I would try to watch it now. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't watch it now. I can watch it for about five minutes and I have to turn it. Because I'm like, oh, I see why I liked this when I was a little kid. Yeah, but <laughs> adults were watching it at the I time. I know. But it was a different mindset back then, though. Must yeah, have been. Right. The number one show, though, was In CBS as well. Think 1980. Dallas? Yes. Dallas. That was actually the year the Who Shot Jr. Who happened. Shot Jr. That wasn't this week, but it's let's just make it a dream. One no one will react badly to and that. Totally negate the last season of the entire show and make Pretend every fan mad. <laughs> Today is National Bittersweet Chocolate and Almonds Day. Boy, that's a mouthful. Okay. And it would, would be a dark chocolate too. be considered bittersweet, or is that something different? I consider bittersweet chocolate the dark chocolate bittersweet. So I, I love dark chocolate, but I like the dark chocolate with sea salt. And it's I'm like more that's of a, that little yeah. kick. Mm. I, I'm more of a milk chocolate guy. The wife likes the dark chocolate, uh, too. Well, your so. wife is right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Just ask her. <laughs> it's like Benny Hill. She may be right. She may be left. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, today is also national. <laughs> Which half of the bikini should I wear? <laughs> the left. <laughs> okay. I don't know. You choose. Either way, I win. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, National Canine Lymphoma Awareness Day is today, too, oh. by the way. So. That's interesting. Make sure you get your dogs checked out annually. I had to take them for their take them for their checkup, right? And have them spayed or neutered. I I read this uh, <laughs> a year ago, and I think it's why our dogs lived as long as they have. I mean, besides being spoiled and inside and kept you know healthy, that's right? Yeah, that's what. But we do, yeah. I had read that you can get as much as a thirty percent extended lifespan out of your pet if you spay or neuter them early. Really? Okay. Well, Pippa's head of the game. We've then. always Good. done that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when Rufus finally got to the point where we had to put him down, right? I mean, he was. Probably 17 for a lab border yeah. collie mix. Right. He was a big, big dog. Oh, yeah. And usually they don't live to about 10 or 11. That's the average lifespan for most labs, about 11 well, years. Well, you guys walk Rufus. He walked y'all, right? Usually he just No, it's, it's our husky right now who, <laughs> oh, that's who thinks she's the front of a she's pack. She's the sled dog. Yeah. She's going to take us for a pull. And you're like, a sled. Oh, <laughs> just fine. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Husky. <laughs> What are you doing? It was my nickname when I was a teenager, and I hated that. Hey, Husky, shut up. <laughs> you don't mean dog. I'm going to call you, you Pirelli because you're always racing. <laughs> it's, and it's bad that the Sears jeans that I wore were Huskies. Oh. Sears Husky jeans Husky or brand. whatever. I hated that. The, oh, we had the tough skins. Why don't you put on the pair of jeans that I'm fat? Why don't you just print on Wasn't there? that the I size, that. though? Wasn't, it called, wasn't that the size, Husky? I don't know. It just Husky meant big to me, and I didn't like it. It does that, mean so. big. <laughs> would, you, would you rather have jeans that say fat or 
Husky. I don't know. <laughs> Neither. How about just Wrangler? How about Wrangler? <laughs> or just something else? How about Comfort How about Fish? store brand? I don't know. <laughs> well, we got time. We may bleed over to the bottom after the bottom of the hour, but we'll start it now. Time that we, oh, flash the audience of the news, the weird, the strange, and the czar. And we got some good ones today, like we always do. Oh, cool. I've got the first news. Ooh. You'll see why I gave you the certain ones you got. You may figure it out. Well, this is from UPI. A Rhode Island property is offering Lord of the Rings fans the opportunity to live out their Middle-earth fantasies in rental Hobbit homes. Do you mind telling me what this is really? all about? That sounds Absolutely. Cool. I would love to be mm-hmm. in that world just to visit for a little while. The Preserve at Boulder Hills Club and Residences, a sports club with luxury residential housing in Richmond, said the Hobbit houses have been under construction for around 36 six months and two of the structures are now complete and ready for rent for events. The houses are based on those used by the Hobbits in the Lord of the Rings books by J.R.R. Tolkien. Daniel Hostetler, the president of the Ocean House Management Club, which is responsible for resort operations for the preserve, said the houses can be rented for groups of up to eight people to hold parties, dinners, and other events. The rentals start at $660 and get more expensive as the number of guests grows. Oh, J.R.R. Tolkien? You mean that guy that ripped off Harry Potter? Yeah, that guy. (laughs) Seems like he kind of copied a lot of stuff from from J.K. Rowling, including using his initials. The forest and the spider and stuff like that. Yeah, and a main bad wizard. Hey, kids, (laughs) kind of check your facts before you complain about stuff. Before you put something online. Some of us have lived a little longer than you have. I got the next news a lot longer than some of you have so far. Those movies would have been better if you had read the Harry Potter books. From UPI, a pair of surfers on the northwest tip of Ireland made an unusual discovery washed up on shore. A dead leprechaun? Uh, t- no, that would have been that wouldn't have been unusual. <laughs> really? Does that happen a lot? A time capsule tossed into an Arctic ice flow by the crew of a Russian ship. Connor McClory. There's an Irish name for you. And Sophie Curran of Guidor County, Donegal, said they spotted the metal object on shore while they were checking sea conditions for surfing. McClory showed the engraving to an acquaintance who speaks Russian. Yeah, it's happened to somebody here that speaks Russian. And they translated the engraving and revealed it was a time capsule. The container was opened, and McClory discovered messages in Russian and English from the crew and passengers of 50 Years of Victory Ship, a nuclear-powered Russian icebreaker ship that tossed the time capsule into an ice flow at the North Pole in the year... 2018. It wasn't okay. too long ago. <laughs> the just cylinder couple, also contained a couple years photographs, ago. beer mats, a menu, wine corks, badges, and other items stowed they away don't need by no the stinking badges. ship's crew. They needed the wine corks, though, yes. on the Russian ship. McClory and Curran were able to contact the author of one of the letters from the time capsule on social media, and the person told them the time capsule's creators had not expected it to be found for 30 or 40 years. Just a little bit early. I hope they put it back in the water. Wow, that's kind of an early one. To find that's kind of well, too, that's too that quick. It got caught in a flow and made its way to Ireland. Yeah, and that, and in that story, it's flow F L O E mm-hmm. is how they spell it. Flow. Well, it is Dino a flow. flow. That's what the the flow of water F L O W like oh, no. what goes down your toilet. No, not the back flow. <laughs> the Dino flow in the engines. <laughs> I got the next news. I got a problem with the flow in the Dino flow. The, the flux capacitor is f- fluxing. All right. Uh, <laughs> and Leon's po- getting larger. Le- <laughs> Wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Police in the Czech Republic said they used, they issued a warning to a man caught violating curfew and attempting to disguise his actions. Oh, what could he be doing? By walking a stuffed toy dog on a leash. <laughs> 
<laughs> really? I need to get out of my house. I don't have a pet. I have a toy dog. He's dragging the dog. He's either stuffed or he's dead. News crews from Czech Television's events of South Bohemia show where accompanying a patrolling uh, show, sorry, the show were accompanying patrolling officers in the Sesky region of, of uh, the Czech Republic when the officers stopped a man caught walking in a public area after the 9 p.m. curfew, which was opposed because of COVID-19. The man initially claimed to be out walking his dog, an activity that is permitted after curfew hours, but oh, police sure. quickly determined the object at the end of the leash was a stuffed dog. <laughs> the man then claimed his walk was an artistic, an artistic practical joke and was released with uh. a warning. The dog walker later told the Miata Fronto uh, newspaper he does not regret his actions. I regret nothing! So, uh, so if he, the other guy can do it, he can get out and walk uh, with a mannequin, and he's, he's walking with his wife. No, that doesn't work. You know, I <laughs> remember when I was little, dead. we'd go to these fairs, and people had the the, the leashes that were basically they were There's nothing on plastic, it. and it looks yeah. like you're walking an invisible, invisible dog. dog. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool to go do that? <laughs> sure, because there's such an old thing, no one remembers those. There, they could be new again. I think that would be so cool to be going down and like, oh, just take the dog walk, and people are like, wait, or or have the one with the. Uh, they also made them with the fake snakes on the ground, and you did the twist, so it looks like the snakes walking yeah. in a in a S motion, which is I'm walking the snake cool. here. I'm just why they won't approach you. <laughs> hey, stay away! I'm walking my. Careful, snake. he's not trained. I got another news. <laughs> he's not trained. He doesn't like strangers. He's a police snake. <laughs> Don't pet. He's not the K-9 unit, he's the S-9 unit. <laughs> a five-year-old boy in India broke a Guinness World Record when he identified 50 cartoon characters in one minute. Now, listen to this. This doesn't sound too spectacular to me, but it probably would be because I don't know a lot of the newer ones. Guinness shared a video showing Shrish Nirgvag, five years old, of Tamil Nadu. Did I say it backwards? I don't know. He identified cartoon characters from a stack of photos. The boy identified 50 characters during the time period, including characters from popular shows Paw Patrol, The Powerpuff Girls, The Jetsons, and The Flintstones. So there was new mixed with old. Dora the Explorer and more. Uh, also made an appearance. He previously held the Guinness record for most vehicle logos identified one minute. I guess because he's five, maybe that that's what's amazing <laughs> about it. Because I could, I think I could identify fifty cartoon characters. Now, if it's fifty, I don't know who they are. I won't be able to identify them if they're just a mix. I think I could hit quite a few of them over the years. Because if you think about it, that's about one every second. Right, and I can do logos too. I'm really good at logos, and and Stacy's amazed by me because I can tell usually. Not the brand new 2022s because I haven't seen a lot of them or not. You could take logos off of cars and I can tell you what they are because mm. I just see enough of them to be familiar with what kind they are. She's like, well, what's that over there? Right quick. I'm like, that's a Ford. Uh, it's an Nissan. She's like, how do you do that? I'm like, I just looked at them. It's no talent. Pay attention. <laughs> it's not talent. Yeah, I just pay attention. Well, what you, what you're supposed to stuff. do with your wife is say, because I'm smarter than you. And that right. always works. <laughs> no, it's, does that work with you? No, it doesn't because matter. Because I still have a bruise well, no, I, <laughs> from when I said it once I on the back say of my that, shoulder. But then I don't remember a whole lot till the next it's day. It's a flat. All you remember is a pillow coming at you and your face. Not even a, no, well, it's, it's stuffed with a brick. <laughs> stuffed with a brick. Hey, this pillow. Full of bricks. Oh, I don't know why. It's just heavier. It's like in that, it just uh, works the, the 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 Douglas Adams books, The Hitchhiker's Guide, yeah. the Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. It, right. It's gotta... like being hit in the face with a brick with a twist of lemon. <laughs> it's better that way. Hey, we got one more new flash from Alan when we come back. It's the bottom of the hour. I flash you when we come back. He's gonna flash when we come back. And I got a Star Trek story about red shirts that you won't believe. You may or may not believe. It I don't believe back. it. Shall we raise our shields, Captain? At ease, Mister Chekhov. Again with the shields. 
I wish he'd just relax and enjoy the amazing picture clarity of the DirecTV HD we just hooked up. With what Starfleet just ponied up for this big screen TV, settling for cable would be illogical. <clears throat> what, I can't use that line? For picture quality that beats cable, you've got to get DirecTV. And now, back to the guy who secretly thinks J.J. Abrams did the best job with any Star Trek movie, but he'll never admit it. It's BK on the air. Sometimes what we're talking about off the air is just as interesting, so uh, maybe I'll include it on the podcast. I don't know. Everything you said just then, I was still recording, by the way. Oh, good. You know, I'll just put it on a the treat podcast for me. and uh, <laughs> put, a, put a disclaimer on it, you know, for language and whatnot. <laughs> so when you go to edit it, just make sure you take me out. I'll just put a horse whinny noise <laughs> to cover up the, from Luca. From Young Frankenstein to cover up the profanity. Well, we still had a couple more of these, so I've got the next news. Flash. A global. Global. Does it not say global? No, it does not say global. It says <laughs> a gold. You global, right? I was thinking global. <laughs> a gold coin commemorating the assassination of Julius Caesar, minted just two years after the death of the Roman leader, fetched a record-breaking high bid of $3.5 million at an auction wow. in Britain. Yeah, the London auction conducted by Roma uh, Numismatics ended the gold coins uh, ended with the gold coin minted in check this out 46 BC. That is an antique. (laughs) That is that's an old coin. Yeah, if I ever heard of an antique, it bears the image of Marcus Junius Brutus, one of the leaders of Caesar's assassination, as well as the image of two daggers and the words. Eidmar, which means the Ides of March, a reference wow. to the March 15 date of his killing. Yeah. Nearly 100 similar coins minted in silver are known to exist, but the one that sold for $3.5 million in late October is one of only three known to survive that were minted in gold. The coin was purchased by an anonymous collector, the auction house said. The auctioneer said the sale marked a new world record for the most expensive coin ever sold. See, that's a cool one, too. How cool! Are you not gonna do the last one? Would it? Would it be great that if you find? And then, yeah, there was one more. Yeah, that's the last one. Uh, No, there was one. There was one more. That's why I just asked. Are you gonna do the last one? Oh, I thought I thought there was the last one. Oh, I'm sorry. I got the. You weren't listening when I I said you have two. (laughs) You don't really listen. I am like the wife in this room. Your kids. (laughs) Why should I listen to you? Your kids don't listen to you. I guess you're gonna tell me to pay my bills on time too, right? You should. By the way, you I owe me. I try to. I do. By the way, did you? I got an invoice for you. <laughs> okay. You may not remember what for a while. You? Trust me. You just, See, the fact just, that just I don't remember me. it means I should just pay it. A Newfoundland and Labrador family is trying to find the owner of a wedding ring found in a child's candy bag after a night of trick-or-treating. Oh, we got some leftover uh, Halloween story here. Here we go from Leftovers. Uh, Gillian LaHonda said her son, Nico, didn't realize until the end of the night that someone had apparently dropped their wedding ring into his bag while he was trick-or-treating Saturday at St. John's. LaHonda said Nico visited dozens of homes during his three-hour quest for candy and does not know at what point in the evening the ring fell into his bag. Would that be considered a nice candy treat? I don't yeah, want to eat I'll it, take that. how much does it cost? The mother said she is keeping the details of the ring's appearance under wraps, obviously, for the moment. For the rightful owner to, to describe it to prove ownership, the family has put up flyers in the neighborhood, and neighborhood Valier Elementary got involved by posting about the ring on social media. Now, that was the final news. There we go. Thank you for getting me back on track. It's all right. Uh, I'm an idiot. I, <laughs> so, I can't hey, afford being Look, I can't afford to pay my bills, but I can pay attention. So, <laughs> well, good. And I don't want to lose my sense of taste. I'll, don't, uh, I'll lose my sense of taste over my sense of humor. I got a fact here from MeTV that you may not know about. Let's talk about it. The 
dead, Jim. He's dead. He's dead, Doctor. He's dead, Jim. He's dead. He's dead, Captain. You'll die, Jim. He's dead. He's dead, Jim. Dead. The man is dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead, sir. She's dead, Jim. She's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. That man's dead back there. She's dead. He's dead. Must be dead. He was worse than dead. His brain is gone. So a few He's Dead gems from Star Trek, not only said by McCoy, but a few other people. A lot of people died on Star Trek. And you, you think that probably a lot of people Generally that wore one red episode. shirts. <laughs> yeah, one and wearing a red shirt. The red shirts died a lot. That is often parodied in other movies and talked well, about. It turns out red shirts are not more likely to die on Star Trek. This really? Is via MeTV at MeTV.com. Being a red shirt isn't as bad as it sounds. Star Trek... And mathematics go hand in hand. It's a show about space and many of the scientific accomplishments demonstrated on the series required advanced engineering. We may not understand the field. I know I don't. But we can appreciate its achievements. You can say that about Star Trek. Much more believable and dramatic than stuff like Lost in Space and other Uh stuff. It, It actually tried to be a real scientific show. It did have quirky effects sometimes with the limitations they had. But overall, it was a very, it was treated seriously, Star Trek was. Yes. So it makes sense that the Museum of Mathematics hosted a forum, this is back in 2017, and I didn't know this, called Star Trek, The Math of Khan, in order to explain some simple (laughs) arithmetic behind the show. Space.com attended the seminar and offered some pretty neat insight on what what it really means to be a red shirt security guy on Star Trek. You don't have to be a mathematician to understand this one. Quote, Star Trek predicted a lot of technology and included a lot of science fiction ideas. The guest of honor, James Grind, stated... Futuristic technology such as warp speed, going faster than light, transporters that teleport you from one space to another, and green alien space babes, unquote. Grime pointed out that although there is such a thing as science fiction, there's no such thing as math math fiction. By taking a look at the numbers of Star Trek, we can learn more about the series. The first topic Grime discussed is the perception that red shirts, people that wore the red shirts, you know, or those uh, wearing red uniforms are more likely to die, it's a joke, than other members of the crew. Many fans joke that those who wear the crimson uniform, often engineers and security personnel, as we've said, almost guaranteed to die a tragic death. While it's true that more red shirts die on Star Trek, they're actually less likely to perish. The original series, 25 red shirts were killed, followed by... Now, we only had three different colors on Star Trek of shirts. The red shirts, the gold, yellowish shirts, and the blue shirts, who were the science folks. 25 red shirts were killed, followed by 10 crew members wearing gold and 8 wearing blue. However, many fans failed to take into account that there were way more crew members wearing red on the USS Enterprise than those wearing gold or blue. According to Grime and the Star Trek Starfleet Technical Manual, there are 239 resident... Uh, red shirts on the series. Of those, only 25 die. That means red shirts on the series have about 10% chance of dying. Oh, dear Lord. However, <laughs> this, is this, this is where they went. Is this how they get you yeah, to watch? this is where they went. However, there are 55 crew members wearing gold, which is command, like Kirk. If 10 of them die, that means their mortality rate is just over 18%. Captain Kirk should consider himself lucky to be alive, using this kind of logic. He was twice as likely Only, to die that's over right. a red Only shirt. 6% of the crew members wearing blue, like Spock and, and science, often scientists die on the show. Only 6%. So the next time someone makes fun of a red shirt, stick up for them. We should really be concerned about the crew members wearing gold, percentage-wise. Okay. Anybody else. You know, you had me initially, and then when you go, <laughs> I know, I do, it's I, a percentage I, I of the population. I'm like, oh, give, oh. So that was them that did that. 
I'm gonna and, I'm, and remember, it's the folks at it's the it's the folks that I'm Star throwing, Trek I'm, the math of Khan. I'm going to throw the BS flag in on that one. That is <laughs> that is bullshnikey. And remember to watch Star Trek on MeTV Saturdays at 10 p.m. By the way, yes. if you want to watch it, or if you own it on Blu-ray, watch it yourself. You know, you know what they were hoping <laughs> that you wouldn't bother reading the article. You'd go back and watch Star Trek and try to prove them wrong. Right. <laughs> and hey, who's that's a little trick to get you to do it. Hey, you don't have to make an article to make me watch it because I can watch it anyway. It's actually available. You, you, if you can't see it on MeTV, it's on Amazon Prime. Star Trek, the original series, it's still out there to watch too, by the way. So 770-386-1450 is our number if you want to give us a call and chime in on anything that we've been talking about today. i got some more things to get to. I did tease this. Let's talk about this now before the, the next break we got coming up. Can I squeeze it in? Maybe. If not, we'll go over. From sci-fi.com, Oreo built a doomsday vault to protect cookies from an asteroid. It sounds like the name of a Twilight Zone episode. It, it does. There the was doomsday Oreos. vault. There were Oreos to eat. I can eat the Oreos with my glasses on. Since they first Then appeared, you lose your sense of taste. <laughs> and smell, too. Oh, no. No, I'm a Twinkie. I can't taste the Oreos. <laughs> no. Okay. How do how do you eat them? I gotta ask. Um, I, I do don't not. twist them apart. I don't twist them apart and lick. But the I do now. like dunking them in milk just until they get soft oh, enough. Yeah. Just to. I do that with just about every cookie. I think I can do, especially love, with the hard chocolate now, chip ones. Y- and you got to learn that t- that point because there's nothing worse oh, yeah. than it breaking off and landing in the bottom of the milk glass. Turn into an Oreo milkshake. You know, it's not at the bottom. Like, oh. Now I gotta fish it out or drink and it. It's gonna take me on. another 10, 20 seconds before I can take a bite because now I gotta get it it's gonna wet be again. Real mushy at that point. <laughs> I like. Great. I love dun- dunking it. Now they have the the, the, the the double stuffs that came out that were had the more icing, which is fine, which is a gimmick. And then I think they had the triple stuffs that came out, the mega. You ones know my favorite though. That were huge. The mint stuff. Do you like the mint stuff? I love chocolate mint. The two combined I together. I never did get into mint into candy. I don't know why. But you know chocolate what? Chocolate mint. Since together? I'm not a big chocolate guy, I love the golden Oreos. That's just Those me. Are good. They're really good. There's more of a vanilla flavor. Oreos, you can't go wrong. Well, I, I knew the that orange we one for Halloween. I knew we wouldn't get to it, but I'll do the story about it and more when we come back and speak on the air. <laughs> I can't believe I ate that whole thing. You ate it, Ralph. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. No, Ralph, I ate it. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. I hate two Alka-Seltzer. After you have your Oreo cookies, you might need a little Alka-Seltzer there from the old days. A little step back into television commercials there. I was watching some uh, old ads this uh, this week, trying to d- do a little distraction. And I remember the guy who can't believe he ate the whole thing. We're talking about before we went to the break. Hey, it's BK on there. We're back, by the way. Talking about Oreo cookies in the vault that they built since they appeared in, back in 1912. Nabisco's Oreo cookies have been one of the most beloved snack foods on the planet with an estimated 34 billion of the little cream-filled delights now sold worldwide every year in over 100 countries. With news back of the Election Day asteroid that passed by Earth on November 2nd, the company was taking no chances with its best-selling treasures and had recently constructed a special concrete bunker in the permafrost of Svalbard, Svalbard, Norway, to stash away a huge stockpile of iconic Oreos alongside a copy of its secret recipe in case of an apocalyptic impact. According to NASA and CNET, this erratic space rock, dubbed Asteroid 2018VP1, zooming into our solar system, has practically no chance of ever colliding with Earth. And it didn't, by the way, because it came and went. 
And its likelihood of bashing our big blue marble was only 0.41 or 1 in 244 or even touching our atmosphere at all. And on the astronomical chance that the asteroid did gaze our planet's protective bubble, it would vaporize instantly. But that hasn't happened. That hasn't stopped Nabisco from taking full advertising advantage of the situation to construct a Norwegian doomsday vault, as this story states. As an added precaution, the Oreo packs are wrapped in mylar, which can withstand temperatures from minus 80 degrees to 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Height and it's impervious to chemical reaction, moisture, and air, keeping the cookies fresh and protected for years to come, Oreo announced. It is comforting to know that these precious Oreos will be safe and secure from all mankind inside the official global Oreo vault should the world crumble. And hey, in case you survive the apocalypse, you know where you can look for an end of the world snack, by the way. Just kind of mm. Tallahassee looking for the Twinkies in Zombieland. It's, Always a little something it's around. Precious. <laughs> you want those? My precious. You know, I think uh, I think Oreos will be the last thing on my mind. I think I know it's more <laughs> yes. joke funny than anything, but maybe later on, if, I, if I've got my stockpile of food, I've got everything I need to survive, and the oncoming whatever is coming at me, people, apocalypse, <laughs> zombies, whatever is coming at me, I'm like, now that I'm settled in, I got enough food for a few months. Let's go out and look for some Oreos or Twinkies or something like that. We might <laughs> find something extra. It's a field trip for <laughs> the family throw, to throw on there. Yeah, which would be great. Seven seven zero three. 861450 is our number if you want to give us a call. I have another story here from Paul Brinkman at UPI. And this this was October 30th, this story, and I'd forgotten about it because we were doing Halloween stuff and we got distracted with a lot of other stuff. Did you know that the International Space Station marked 20 years up I in I heard in that. Orbit? I couldn't believe it's been 20 I years. I can't either. But now that I think about it, I'm like, I guess it has been. I guess those computers are old now. They are. They like Atari 2600s or something like that. Wasn't that funny when we find out about that? For years, the space shuttle had computers on board that were that were like nowhere near as sophisticated as our cell phones we had, you know, our iPhones mm-hmm. and stuff. They had to update them finally, but they were archaic controlling right. that space shuttle. But the, they worked, uh, but they were archaic. The 20th anniversary on October 30th of the humans living aboard the International Space Station spotlights the global cooperation of scientific discoveries that benefit all people, according to the astronauts and other involved in missions there. NASA and space agencies around the world were using the milestone to underscore achievements in space since the end of deep space crewed missions in the 1970s and the space shuttle program in 2011. Can you believe we actually lived through a space program's beginning and end? Beginning, the space shuttle and yep. uh, is now gone away. Now, and I know we are experiencing a brand new era, the SpaceX cooperation, right. private space. Which is kind of cool. unbelievable. It is, and, and it's, it's wonderful for the future. Those who participated in space station construction find it hard, as do we, to believe that it has been habited for two decades. Former astronaut Michael Lopez Algria said he has been to the orbiting platform three times and was the last person to visit before permanent missions started in the year 2000. During the missions to help build and command the space station, he amassed 67 hours, 40 minutes, and 10 spacewalks, a record for NASA surpassed only by Russian cosmonaut Anatoly Solovyev. Bless you. Comrade. And he, he had 82 hours, 22 minutes, and 16 spacewalks. NASA and Russia cooperated on the space station project after two nations operated orbiting laboratories. The U.S. Skylab occupied for just 24 weeks with gaps between three missions. And Russia's space station Mir occupied with two short gaps for 12 and a half years. The orbiting research complex, which spans the length of a football field, is equivalent to a five-bedroom home with a gym, two bathrooms, and a 360-degree bay window uh, that you know, allows the views of Earth. That's so, for the, you know, they're talking about uh, the, the SpaceX guy wants to buy that 
and turn right. it into a luxury hotel. Yeah, and I think it would a mere fifty thousand dollars for a weekend stay. There are some people that that could afford to go do it, and want a thing to be able to say you did. And large arrays of solar panels power its systems, while liquid propellant rocket engines keep it from losing altitude. The space station, which costs more than one hundred and fifty billion to build, and costs NASA over three billion annually. That's right, three million dollars in upkeep. Which I I don't know. That's maybe a lot got, for your HOA dues. The, the guy that buys it would probably find a much more smarter way to keep it up, I'll bet, because he's more of a private guy than, mm-hmm. than government run. Uh, it flies more than 250 miles above the Earth at over 17,000 miles an hour. You don't feel it because you're in space. Mm-hmm. 17,000 miles an hour down here across the desert would feel pretty fast, and I don't know that the G-forces would It's like uh, you could go by in the blink of an eye. <laughs> That's kind of what they do. More than 240 people from 19 nations have visited the space laboratory and living quarters with over 100 nations sending research or educational projects. So a cool story, which had its anniversary this past weekend, Halloween weekend. That's just nuts. We had a good time. That's a lot of nuts. That's a lot of miles per hour. So I think at some point, I would hope in our lifetimes... We would find that you and I could afford, it may be expensive, but we could afford, at least I would do it, a yeah. trip in low orbit space to be able to that go to that, fun. to just spend yes. one weekend to say, I was in space. I was floating. I was just, right. I was in space. I, I, was, in, cool. I was just in space. Right. Something I, that I thought about like, all my I life. I went to outer space. <laughs> no, not Who the, else can Not say that far that? out of it, but. Right. But I was in space. Right. <laughs> that would be cool. Do you know the first celebrity that has signed up to be, uh, who's volunteered to, to, to William go? Shatner. William Shatner. He goes, I don't care how old I am. I don't care if I croak doing it. Could you? But but if I got back, just imagine everybody would be able to say the guy who played Captain Kirk actually went think, out into space. You think he couldn't help himself when he got up there? He goes, these are the voyages. Well, you know, he won't even say it in interviews now, so I don't know if he still wants to say it. He, he shies away from that so much because they're like, talk like Captain Kirk. He's like, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And even saying that, that sounded like Captain Kirk because yeah. he said it. So I would, I would, I, I, I couldn't. It would be I'd great though if he were to do it. And these are the did voyages. you see the female astronaut that was on? Um, that's a big Star Trek fan, and she took a picture of herself. She put her next generation uniform on while she was on the space station, and took a picture of herself doing this, doing the Spock Vulcan salute in front of the window in front of Earth. I can't remember her name, but she, she it was just a few years ago that she did that before she came back to Earth. She was wow. celebrating Star Trek. So I'm like, someone's had a Star Trek costume on in orbit. So that's that's kind of cool. And we can talk about how much Star Trek. We talk about how serious. Star Trek took itself compared to the other, like, Buck Rogers right. string, strings on on things. And uh, Leonard Nimoy talked well, about his first film was called Zombies of the Stratosphere, where he played an alien who wanted to take over Earth with a thirty eight special gun mm. and started holding people at gunpoint. And that was what his that was what he was in first, and Star Trek was so far removed from that. You know, you know I've been slowly serious. finishing my way. I'm almost done season six. I've got one more season You're to go. You're watching The Next Generation, Next right? Generation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. The, it was some of those stories show. are so really well-written. Maybe you can see why the public, it ran for seven years. It was it was the longest-running television Star Trek show uh, so far ever. Well, uh, didn't Deep run. Space Nine do seven seasons? I don't know. Did it? I have to look it up. Eric may correct me. Um, I will <laughs> say I this. Wrong, I, but... I hit the episode in season six that had the crossover where the, the show, it was a next-generation episode, but they were docking at the new Deep Space Nine, kind of and they had a crossover the pilot, yeah. of just a couple of characters, including yeah. Julian Bashir, the, the doctor right. from DS9. So. I you mean, know what's funny is Patrick Stewart's in the first episode of DS9 to kind of cross that over and, and, and make that go. Oh, someone's calling now. Let's see if someone's correcting my math here. Hey, it's BK on the air. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's going on, my friend? Nothing That's much. Funny. We're just sitting here fooling around on the radio. That's all I'm we do on, on Saturday. 
Yep, I'm on the last season of Next Generation now. I've been, been watching it. Oh, wow. So you, oh, you cool. delved into Star Had you seen it before, or are you watching it for the first time? Oh, yeah. This is about my, this is about my third time. Wow, so you're a big fan of Star Trek The Next Generation. Fantastic. Don't you think that they went really in a... They went, They did not car, just carbon copy the old show. They went their own way. They had their own characters, and a lot of people were wondering, is this going to make it? You know, Star Trek is Kirk and Spock and McCoy. How in the world are they going to redo this and do it better? Well, they wound up being very successful on their own and mm-hmm. niched their own little corner out and made their own Star Trek universe, and it, it was very successful. I like the one where they find Scotty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trapped stuck in, in the transporter, transporter beam. Yeah. That one's that was interesting. They did get a chance to some of the classic characters to come back. Spock, Leonard Nimoy was in one later on in the later seasons in a two parter about unifying with the Romulans. And uh, in the very first episode, McCoy was on there as an old guy walking the quarters of the Enterprise with data. Yeah, the very first one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't get into Star Trek when I was a little younger and had some money. I've been broke all the time. <laughs> Oh you, oh, you mean like me? Yeah, like the rest of us. Okay. I, I spent quite a bit on Star Trek growing up, just some toys and collectibles, comic books, stuff like that. It's a it's a big billion-dollar franchise for Paramount and CBS. It always has been. All right, guys. Beat me up, Scotty. Yeah, All right. Take Jeff, care, buddy. Live long and prosper. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Kirk out. Of course, he never said <laughs> beat me up, Scotty. Not that way he didn't. Nope. Nope. He said, he said Scotty, comma, beat me up. Or, he said beam us up, mm-hmm. energize. But no, beam me up. We can talk about those logos from shows like even Star Wars. You know, they, uh, Luke, I am your father. He never said that. He says, never no, said that way. I, I am your father. I am your father. So, yeah, they they, they changed it. it on me. They <laughs> went back and took all the DVDs off the shelf and rearranged it and just to mess with me. <laughs> just it couldn't be that you. I misremembered and it. And Biggs, Biggs was in Star Wars. I remember seeing him with Luke before he left Tatooine. He was standing with him. I'm like, no, maybe you saw a, a photo of production still of Biggs on Tatooine because they did uh, you know put what's him funny? here and there. So I had a storybook, a kid's storybook with the live action photo. Was there a picture of Biggs And there in was it? a picture of Biggs. That's where they where saw they met. And that's why I was like, where did Biggs go? Yeah. <laughs> and I had another one with Empire Strikes Back. I'm like, when did the those abominable snowman thing oh, yeah, the attack wampas. them in the yeah. base? Yeah. I swear I remember seeing a picture of them attacking see? him in the base. You see, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on this show for two hours. Now it's come to an end. It's noon now, so it's time to... No. Uh, Sign I'm not off going and say Kirk out. <laughs> but you know what? We'll repackage this thing. I'll add some bionic, bionic parts to it and turn it into a podcast. And you can hear it on SoundCloud, Anchor, and YouTube. Listen for it. It's the BK on the Air podcast. We'll see you all next week. It's BK on the Air. Don't ever tell a lie and say your prayers at night before you go to bed. And so, as our friends south of the border could say, adios, amigos.